Hello, and welcome back to Pastor Plex Podcast. As always, I have Pastor Plex with me. Hey, excited to be here, Lizzie. Thanks uh, to you for hosting. Absolutely, and we also have two special guests again. I don't know if they're so special anymore because they're kind of really <laughs> reoccurring in their specialness, although they are super special. Uh, pastors <laughs> James, uh, James Foster and Joseph Aiken III, and uh, really excited about both of them. So, hey guys, how you doing? Great, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's just kick it off uh, right with our first question. Uh, so, someone sent in this question. It says, based on the storage barn parable that we talked about on Sunday, right? Uh, what should Christians infer about saving for retirement and investing? Okay, so first off, I want to go to the point of that parable. So, a man sits up or sits up, like raises his hand or somehow gets Jesus' attention, says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to give me my share to the inheritance. To which Jesus goes, man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And says, don't let um, jealousy or envy um, really get to your heart uh, because life isn't about the abundance of stuff. And then he tells the story of the rich fool. And the rich fool he has a huge abundance of crops, and he's like, man, what do I do with all my crops? I know. I'll tear down my old barns, build new barns, and I will say to myself, self, relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And then he said, "Then in the parable, God says to that rich fool, he says, you fool, uh, don't you know that your soul is required, for you, uh, required of you tonight? And then who will get all the stuff you prepared? And then Jesus then sort of transitions and says, like, that is... Is what like that's the reality of the stuff that you're preparing for the future. If if you're not careful, it's gonna well. The reality is, it, one day all your stuff is gonna end up in somebody else's house or in the dump. There is just no other place or location for it to go. And so now, great, you might have a museum. That'd be cool. I think we all feel like we need to have a presidential library somewhere with like all of our <laughs> childhood artifacts. And like when you make it big. So like aside from the presidential library, aside from getting to the Smithsonian, your stuff is going to end up in somebody else's house. And even that you can call it a house or in the dump. So then the question is based upon the storage barn parable. What should Christians infer about saving for retirement investing? And, um, I'm going to say my little bit about this, and I'd love for uh, Joseph and James to, to chime in here. But really, when I think about re- retirement, I think is is not a good word. I don't like the word retirement uh, because I don't think Christians retire. Like there is never a place where Christians no longer have purpose. Mm-hmm. And what and in the sermon I mentioned, uh, I kind of mentioned John Piper's book, "Don't Waste Your Life," and you know the one thing that John Piper, he's like the one one note trumpet he plays the same thing over and over and over again mm-hmm. and so the book that i read 20 20 years ago don't waste your life <clears throat> really was a reflection upon the one note that everything's about god's glory and our good and if we're never if we if we get away from that then we're wasting our life and so this the image that he gave us uh john piper gave was of a man and a woman old woman you know holding hands walking along the seashore collecting shells and just, you know, being sweet. And then he abruptly goes, what a waste. In, in a sense, like, they saved up their money to put shells in a bucket. As opposed to to put um, Christians in the kingdom. Uh, mm-hmm. Some along those lines. Mm-hmm. And, and so, in other words, the reason why you... And so, to the question, what about 
saving for retirement and investing. Well, of course you should save for retirement and investing because one day nobody's going to pay you for the work that you do. So you are you need to learn how to pay yourself save now so that you can pay yourself later for the work that you're going to do. I don't want to say for free, but you're you're paying you're working for you Inc. So when you are let's just say call I'm going to use 65 just because that's a traditional retirement age. Well, a lot of people are living for 20 more years. So you need to figure out to, to live 20 more years, 65 plus, or just don't stop working, either one. And what are you, how are you going to spend your life so that you can continue to live on mission for Jesus and never get away from that without having to worry about going, to, you know, in my case, a church, or in your case, uh, whoever you are, uh, going to IBM or Apple or Samsung or... Um, name your tech industry uh, for your paycheck, you can still do what God has called you to do, which is go and make disciples. And so that is where you sort of pay yourself to the future. So I don't know, that, that's where I sort of see that. And so uh, guys, James, Joseph, what, what do you guys see in that? Yeah, uh, I'll start with, uh, you know, the Dave Ramsey classic, live like no one else now. So later you can live and give like no one else. Uh, living frugally, uh, is a big part of that. And then, so you're saving, so not so that you can have this amazing future, but so that later you can propel the ministry that you want and the singular focus that you want uh, forward through uh, some wise investing at this time and some wise retirement uh, planning at this time. Now, with that said, uh, I would say that this parable to me seems to say we want to, invite God into that plan, right? So if, if the foolish uh, guy has this great plan of, hey, let me just raise this barn so that I can raise another, let me tear this barn down so that I can put another one up that's even bigger so I can store even more in there, then you're, it, it doesn't appear that he's really bringing God into that plan. He's just kind of boasting about what he's hoping to do. And that's what makes him foolish is that he just jumps forward with it. Uh, if we we can accumulate some wealth and invite God into it in a way that I think would still honor the Lord, and uh, there's a there's something beautiful about us uh, prayerfully considering what we would do with that retirement and investing as we're doing it, that uh, it's too important for us to not pray about. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I like what James said. Just inviting God to be in whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, if he's not your primary, um, when you're you're chasing out after clout, looking to see that you're number one, I got the most money and all that kind of stuff, yeah, then, then your priorities are in, of course, the wrong place. And so when I'm thinking about uh, this image that God or Jesus was painting for us, is that what, what's what's primary in your life right now? Are you are you chasing the the retirement so that you can not do anything? Like Chris was kind of emphasizing, like we never get to retire as believers. That doesn't stop. And so that's our first job. Everything else is secondary. So how am I walking in that? And so is the retirement part there? Yes. Now, how am I inviting, like James said, how am I inviting uh, God into this picture? Am I, am I worried about, like, me being okay? Chris talked about the, what do they call crackles or birds or whatever? Yeah, the grackles. Grackles, yeah. whatever they're called. Like, like <laughs> Hanging God, out at Walmart. <laughs> God takes care of all of them things. And so understanding that our primary purpose is to chase after God and, and what he's called us to, and he'll... And invite us into that plan in such a way that he'll make sure we're taken care of and through investments, through retirement, through all the different things. I, I believe he'll 
He'll put a path in front of us so we can do what he has called us to do. Right. And, and I think you have to have, when you think about your retirement, it has to be, God, I want to reti- I want to have a retirement fund. And I just, again, I just don't like the retirement fund language. I probably need to think of something better. Like my post-employment uh, status where I'm now working, instead of working for the man, I'm working for the Lord. And that might be a better way to put it. I love Proverbs 6. Uh, six through eight. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having a chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. In other words, uh, the ant knows how to save so that when, whenever the time of winter comes, that there's food. All right. So again, this is Proverbs thirty. Uh, 24, 25, four things on earth are small, but they're exceedingly wise. The ants are a, a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. And so you're, you're just looking at this thing of like, one of the things that ants do is they work hard all the time so that, and, and in their work, they provide for themselves in the future. And I think that, again, my heart for, the, my desire for Christians is that they would start saving, which means it's hard work up front because you have to learn how to not spend everything you have now so that you can save for later so that you can pay yourself later uh, to do, I don't want to say to be good and not get paid. In other words, be good for nothing, but to be, to be, to move God's kingdom forward without needing a paycheck to survive. Because isn't in your later years, that's when you have the most, I mean, that's when the young men and young women are going to be coming to you with needing wisdom and you are going to have time to give it to them. And so I know several um, of my friends now that are in their 60s and 70s and they have time to simply just um, uh, give wisdom. It's like their whole life is having two lunches and two breakfasts with different men and women Mm. who uh, they can spend time with and... um, Anyway, to, to just really enjoy it. Did you want to say something, James? Yeah. It's, it almost sounds like what you're talking about is like an encore career mm-hmm. of something with a little bit greater purpose, a little yeah. bit closer connected to yeah. what your real passions are and uh, could be related to kingdom building, yeah. uh, but maybe it's more flexible, less demanding than a 40-hour work week that you've had for most of your career. And you're, if you have a good retirement plan, you can still be using that and having a little bit of income from potentially the encore career. Right, so I guess the main emphasis of this is it's not to to store up barns to so just to say relax, eat, drink, and be merry. It's to uh, store up barns, so to speak, for the kingdom advancement, and that's the difference. I think that's the struggle is is you could be doing the exact same thing, but if your heart is dark in it, then there then that is then you've wasted your life. Mm-hmm. You could you literally could be doing the same thing as a um, right now. I'm 44. Or as a 24-year-old. You know, I was saving as a 24-year-old and then uh, now as a 44-year-old. Both are for the, back then and even now, are for the purpose, not so that I can have my mansion and uh, so that I can have all my servants, but it's so that uh, I can have uh, the ability to serve the Lord without having to need the employment of a church. Uh, and that that to me is, is really exciting to think about and um, and, a, and a huge blessing to, to live in. Hopefully that... That helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's some great guidance. Um, we also got one uh, comment uh, that says, next time develop the gun images a bit more. Uh, can you talk about <clears throat> yeah. what they're referring to? Yeah, so, okay. Uh, now, this is where um, in my sermon prep, 
I actually thought, how could I offend everybody all at once? So I was thinking of, we have conservative people at our church, and we have liberal people at our church, and I was trying to find a way that I could offend both at the same time. Uh, and I actually did it first service outside. So if you ever want to come and see a really raw production of uh, of church, go come to the outside service at 815, and I just sort of unloaded it. And I'll, I'll, I'll give it here because I feel like I can explain it, and I can have uh, Pastor James and Pastor Joseph kind of weigh in. Um so I was thinking, what are what are some security blankets uh, that conservative and liberal people that obviously are Christian, but maybe lean conservative, lean liberal, politically uh, standpoint? Because that you that seems to be the hot topic. And I was like, how can I offend conservative people? I was like, ah, I know. Like they're the Second Amend- Second Amendment people. Like this, I'm on dangerous ground right now just by even mentioning this because it's like, are you a patriot? And you know, it's kind of like that. You know, the reality. So what I said, what I said first service, if the, you know, if if the government came and took your guns, uh, which is probably the fear of every Second Amendment advocate, would your security then be in fighting the government to get your guns back, or would it be in Jesus, or or would it would you would you lose so much hope that you would become an unchristian person to make the to, you know, what, whatever it takes to get my guns back, I will do, even if um, it, I might have to do some unchristian things to do it. And this is the part that everyone's going to get offended by. If you're a conservative person, you would say, Chris, I appreciate, you know, we don't want to worship our guns, but the reality is guns is part of being American. And, you know, and I would say, yeah, right. But if, if you're an American first and Christian second, there's a problem with that, right? And so, like, if you live in Japan, guns are illegal. Like, you can't own a gun in Japan. In fact, you're not even allowed to own a sword, all right? Like, you have to, like, there's only certain people that are allowed to have uh, guns worldwide. So America is a unique place where the Second Amendment has taken on its own life. And listen, I'm not, this is not me being for or against Second Amendment. Please don't don't hear that. I just I just know that for conservative people, this is a hot button, hot button issue where if you start to say, like, my security is being found in my guns, uh, then you're like, whoa, 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 you're, you're getting at fundamental human rights here. And I want to make sure that we understand that um, our rights are in who we are in Christ, and that's not guaranteed by the government or guaranteed by guns. Mm-hmm. So that that becomes the real truth. Okay, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that, that that's offensive. Okay, so I, just conservative people, I know I've offended you, uh, and um, I love you uh, even with that offense. And I'm not going to tell you which or how many guns I have. Uh, stored at my house or how much ammo but what i am going to tell you is that uh uh that if there ever comes a point where your hope and your protection is ultimately from guns you're you're going to run into a problem and that's your security blanket that you need to ask god about okay then i was like what would probably offend liberal people everywhere um and the one thing that kind of came to mind is obamacare or um you know uh the affordable care act specifically that uh universal health care so that is sort of like the the big push of the liberal mindset is is every person needs health care and i and i i can appreciate that and what they would say is if we don't have health care then we don't have basic human rights and um what happens if somebody gets sick or somebody gets and what happens is now you're relying upon the government watch this you're relying upon the government for to protect your health or, or, or we can take it to unemployment check, or we can take it to welfare. You can take it to any form of um, of government assistance. You can look at that and say, if you take that away, then I can't survive. 
or a person can't survive. And the problem with that is you're saying um, that uh, a person has a right to, right, uh, universal health care, uh, uh, basic subsistence, all that, as opposed to saying, I'm going to trust God for that. And so then ultimately the government becomes your savior. And if that thing ever got taken away, you would fight tooth and nail for it to come back. And I think that's the struggle. In the same way that guns is for conservatives in general, like the um, the government uh, being there to, to provide is in that way for more of a liberal mindset. So I feel like that's the part that as – no matter which way you sort of bend politically, you're always going to have to struggle with the Christ culture intersecting your conservativeness or your liberalness uh, because he's always going to offend everywhere, everyone at every place. And I'm not saying government health care is wrong and I'm not saying guns are wrong. But what I am saying is that if those things become preeminent in your life, that becomes the struggle. So any other thoughts on that, James? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of this was exposed through COVID and things that uh, felt like freedoms uh, oh. being robbed away. Uh, man, there was a lot of irrational anger and uh, things that were stirred up by that. And some of it may be more reasonable than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it just, I feel like it definitely exposes a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you go, man, uh, we've got an issue if this thing that we do I have to wear a mask to go and do this thing? Am I okay with really sacrificing this for the greater good or to love people? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I feel like that COVID season has definitely exposed a lot of idols. Mm -hmm. And it's important to be able to say, okay, where's my first allegiance? Like Mm -hmm. you just said. Yeah, the only thing I'll add is just kind of what I got from what Chris said is that too often we lean too far left. Too often we lean too far right, and we forget who we're supposed to be leaning into, mm-hmm. and that is God. And so, just making sure, uh, again, like it's been said, like focus on God, and don't get so caught up in putting our hope and our uh, strength in those things that are temporary, temporal of this world, that we forget and lose sight of who God is in our life. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, gosh, a couple years ago. Uh, I was speaking to a, a military family camp, so, uh, and I was speaking on Jonah. And the thing about Jonah, if you're not familiar with the story of Jonah, mm-hmm. he, he's a, he was a prophet of Israel. And the thing that was unique about Jonah is he was kind of like, uh, in the same way that media can almost be religious. You know what I mean? Like whatever narrative the media sort of puts out there is what sort of people believe, right? And so this was uh, before the era of fake news and alternative facts. But um, but in Jonah's time, he was a prophet of God. And so what he would do is he would sit in um, Samaria, which was, at that time was the capital of Israel. And he would proclaim um, like death to Moab or death to a neighboring country. And then they would go down. And he was like a hero. Like, Anything he proclaimed and the the king of Israel was a hero and everyone was like, yeah, God is doing great things. He's conquering in on behalf of Israel. And there was a real nationalistic pride that that um, that wrote that rose up. And then all of a sudden, God calls Jonah to go to um, Nineveh, to which Jonah essentially says, I will die first. For my country, 
before I ever go and give those people a chance at salvation. I want to make sure. I and listen, and he felt he was a patriot. He felt great about dying for his country when God was calling him to live for Nineveh. Mind blowing, mind blowing, and which is why you know. It's funny that Jesus says that the, that generation of Ninevite, Ninevites would rise up and judge Israel uh, because they repented at Jonah's preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and the funny thing was, or not funny thing, the interesting thing is Nineveh eventually did get doomed. Uh, Nahum prophesied against them in uh, the home country of Israel, and then they did get destroyed. And so God's grace and mercy doesn't come without some form of judgment. Uh, but man, when I shared that at a you know military family camp, very patriotic people, they're saying, we're not supposed to be all be pacifists. And I said, I'm not saying to be pacifist. I'm just, what I'm putting out there is that if God, it's, it's a God first culture. So if he calls you to go and be a, a witness to and to love people right where they are, whether that is in Africa or Mexico or Peru, or North uh, Northwest Africa, or in Europe, or in China, or Japan, then love them. And I think that can be a challenge for us, um, depending where you're at, right? So conservatively, as, as a conservative person, you would say, well, we've got to look out for America first. In fact, the Bible says, if you don't look out for your own relatives, you're worse than an unbeliever. And then on the flip side, you've got Matthew 28 that says, um, go make disciples of all nations, right? So there is, you're always going to have a tension between taking care of your own and providing for um, and witnessing to and sharing with the foreigner. In fact, that was what was so bizarre about Israel. It was supposed to be a light unto the world and had provisions for reaching their own people and benevolence ministry to the poor, but then also to, to take care of the traveler and the sojourn that was going through their fields. And so I feel like... Um, on that one thing, it just becomes very uh, um, emotional uh, and very. Uh, it's a struggle for conservative people, liberal people, when you when you kind of have to look through the lens of politics first, as opposed to the lens of the gospel first. It then is a, it's a struggle to wrap your head around what God's calling in my life is, and then ultimately where my hope is. And I think that becomes. Um, I think that's just a struggle that we all sort of face. Any other thoughts on that? Nope. All right. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We will see you next week. And if you have any questions, you know where to find us.